The Live with Squacky podcast is sponsored in part by Mid-Atlantic VoiceOver and Antland Productions. As a voice actor, I always wonder what the thought process is for casting directors when they're listening to hundreds and hundreds of auditions per day. How do they know exactly what their clients are searching for? How do I make sure that I'm performing in a way that will interest them? Hi, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Live with Squacky. I'm your host, Val Kelly, otherwise known as Squacky Voice. I'm so excited about my special guest today. Kim Hurden is both a casting and voice director with 30 years of experience under her belt. She's been dubbed the queen of voice by Actra, and she's appeared as a voice specialist on radio, TV, and in print. She's cast voices for every voice medium known to humankind. Kim's love of directing has led her to the animation and gaming worlds, where she's quickly become one of the most sought-after directors in Canada. Her superpower is, of course, the power of supersonic hearing, which comes in pretty darn handy. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today, Kim. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Of course. I'm excited, too. It's so good to talk to you. Same. Same. So can you start out by telling us how you decided to become a casting director and how you got to where you are today? Yes, I can, Val, but it's a bit of a story. I will cut it down because (laughs) I had no intention of becoming a casting director. I didn't even know the job existed for voice specifically. I knew about it for on camera, of course. I answered an ad in a newspaper way, way back in the day when you looked for jobs in that way. (laughs) And... It was for a receptionist at a music house, at an audio house, which again, didn't know that existed. So I sort of became involved in the commercial world on the back end and worked for that place for, gosh, probably a year or two. And then the woman who was the voice casting person left and on the way out the door, she said, you know, I think Kim would be good at this. And I kind of, what, 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 me, why, why? And so they said, well, let's try it. And so that's how I started into the industry. Oh, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, right place, right time sort of a thing. Yeah. And I guess she saw something in me or maybe had I had good ears or who knows what, but God bless her, Karen Gora. Thank you. And then it just sort of grew from there. So started off at that house and then I believe went to a yeah second house and then became independent, became partners actually with that woman for a while then broke out on my own and now have a casting company. And we've got, gosh, friends laugh because I don't know how many employees I have because it keeps (laughs) growing so, so exponentially. So I think at this point we've got four or five full time and uh, quite a handful of, of people that I sort of hire on as needed. So freelance people, but yeah, it's going well. That's so great. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. It is really funny how you just have to kind of sometimes be in the right place at the right time, right? (laughs) Yes. 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 That's great. Well, what would you say are some distinguishing qualities that you listen for in auditions from voice actors when you're trying to cast for a client? Hmm. That's a tough one. Only because it really depends on the spec. So there are voices that sort of stick in my head and I've got sort of an audio library, if you will. Having obviously a voice that stands out like yours is going to be more memorable to me. But It could be that someone has a really, their own read, if you will. So their own approach to the copy. Right. And that makes them stand out. If that's what you're asking, how someone stands out when we're auditioning and when I'm listening to the auditions, I would say learning all the rules of whatever genre it is that you're auditioning for 
and then adding your own special sauce, if you will. So if you're a singer, maybe you add a little bit of a song or, or a sing song, something to an animated read. Mm-hmm. Or have you studied karate? Then you're going to be really good at doing efforts in a video game. So that sort of thing I've noticed throughout my career as I'm moving. But yeah, I would say probably that when I'm listening to auditions that are sent in, self-tapes, doing something that is a little unexpected, not too far off the mark, because if you go too far off, then I start to think, did, did you read the spec? Did yeah. you read it at all? But yeah, so at least delivering one that is within the spec and then giving me something that I don't expect, whether it's a different kind of read, a space where I'm not expecting it. If it's a commercial read, it might be a different take on the character on your second pass if it's an animated read. So something that maybe surprises me or makes me laugh. Yeah, that's really interesting. I noticed that on a lot of auditions, they say do two takes on the same MP3. And Mm -hmm. on the first one, there's one direction. On the second one, there's another direction. So it's kind of, I guess, a double shot if they listen to the whole thing. Do you always listen to every full audition, though? Or is it really just you know in the first few seconds if it's something you want to keep listening to or not? Obviously, every casting director is going to ask for things delivered in different ways because we all work independently. There's no school for casting directors, so we all made up our own rules. Right. So when we send out a breakdown, let's say for animation, we will say, first one, stick to the spec. Second one, you either, for me, you can decide to push further into that spec. So if it's a certain type of personality, like a goofy person or someone with a list or whatever it is, just really push another 25% into it, maybe give a little bit of improv. Or as a second choice, do something, as I said, that is has nothing to do with the spec at all. And will I listen to them? Yes, because we ask for them on separate tracks. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But I would suggest this, because I know a lot of casting people do ask for them both on one. If that's the case, if I were auditioning, I would say on the top, on the slate, this is Kim Hurden, and this is my first take of two, so that the person listening knows there's another one coming. So they'll at least skip forward and drop into the second one, because sometimes they don't. Sometimes they listen to the first one and go, eh, nah. Right. Like three or four seconds in. But knowing that there's another one, and maybe you've delivered something that they weren't expecting, I would need to drop into the next one. Okay. Yeah. So that's really cool and interesting because if you have the chance to do two different takes, but your agent says don't slate, what do you do then to make it kind of stand out? Because a lot of auditions I get say don't slate. Does that mean I can't say take one, take two? Because I always think like, oh, I should say take one and then take two. But if it says don't slate, I'm assuming that means don't slate at all, right? You know what? That is a really good question, Val, because I am not 100% clear on that. We always ask for slates. They could mean, because I believe that the no slate policy started, granted, this is just me making this up, but I think I'm right. (laughs) It started when pay-to-play sites came to be. So they didn't want you to slate because they didn't want the client to be able to contact you directly. So that's where that came from. So I want everyone to slate. A slate to me is an opportunity for either me to hear you in your own voice before you start into the animated audition. Mm -hmm. Or if you're putting on an accent, I can hear whether you don't have it and then you do compared to the slate. But if that's the case, if what I'm saying is true, then having no slate may just mean don't say your name. 
I would think you could still say take one. Okay. Yeah. I was doing this audition yesterday, and it said do two takes, and the direction was slightly different on both of them. But I felt like my second take was better. <laughs> so yep. Yep. I was like, can I put this one first? <laughs> yes. And I, you know, and I should have, but I didn't because I was too, like, I don't know. if I, I hesitated about it, you know, because I was like, well, my first one really did capture what they were asking for. But then what's my guarantee that they're going to keep listening? You're 100% right. If I were you in that case, I would have moved it and put it first. If you really feel good about it, yeah, put it first. Who's going to care? Yeah. We're going to listen to it and love it and then go to the second one and go, oh, I don't like this one as much. Who cares? Yeah. Here's the first one. <laughs> yeah. In this particular case, it was like the second one was like a more dramatic read, which yep. I'm great at, you know? So it was just like, oh, this is perfect. But if the first one is kind of like calm and normal, then the second one is more dramatic. I felt like the second one was way more exciting and interesting to listen to. So I should have put it first, but yeah, oh well, exactly. lesson learned. You're in control. You're in control of your edit. You send what you want. Yeah. Well, are there any trends happening right now in voiceover that voice actors should know about from your perspective? It depends on the genre, but everyone has probably already said this, that in commercial, it's definitely millennial reads. And they're not calling them that, but it's that read without doing a read. And it's not even a conversational read because I know that has been around for a long time. Yeah. We don't want anything announcery. We don't want anything announcery. Oh, okay. What does that mean anymore? Yeah. Right? I don't know. <laughs> exactly. I think it's just become a catchphrase that advertising people feel like they have to write now. Because an announcer can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So it could mean, because I found this too, for some people it means male that have deep voices. That's an announcer to them. Mm -hmm. And then younger people that are writing creatives, a conversational read might be an announcery to them now. Okay. So the millennial read is almost like I don't give a crap read. Okay. I, I, know I don't necessarily like it because I really like when words are massaged and the read is really, really great. But I think that the millennial read comes from obviously age. Mm -hmm. And that that's what's out there because of, well, because of podcasts, because of social media, because you have influencers that are that are speaking and have not been trained and don't know how to speak on mic, along with celebrities who are hired because they are celebrity and they have not learned how to read commercial copy. So all of that has led to this sort of non-read, if you will. So I'd say that's really what's popular, obviously, in commercials more so than anything else. Yeah. And then in animation... I don't know if it's a trend, but inclusivity is huge now. Yeah. So casting authentically, even if it's a shoe, it is a Spanish shoe. Do you know what I mean? So, and, and you, and you've got to be of that ethnicity to submit, which is awesome that this is the way that the industry is now trying to make up for it being whitewashed over the past, gosh, forever. Right. But right now, there's a big push on that, which is awesome. And what it means is also on the other side, they now have other ethnicities in the room. So there's writers and producers. So they're bringing that knowledge to the project, which is fantastic. Yeah, that's really great. It is mm -hmm. very nice that they're adding that ethnic diversity there for a lot of the auditions that come out. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, oh, I can't do this one. Jeez. <laughs> nope. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> It's not always beneficial for me, but, you know, it's fine. <laughs> oh, I know. Exactly. It's not. And I know a lot of people, 
white people have felt like, oh my God, I'm losing work. But it's something that has to be reckoned. It's happening now, unfortunately for you. Yeah. (laughs) But the pendulum will swing. And so most of the time anyway, especially for commercial, open to all ethnicities. Yeah. So in that way, it's just, hey man, everyone join the party. That's good. That's really good. I like it when I get auditions like that. I'm like, oh, I can do this one. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to ask one more thing about that is since I sound like a kid, but Mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of times I'll get an audition and we'll say, we want an actual kid. (laughs) And I'm like, but what if I sound more like an actual kid than the actual kid does, (laughs) you know? And so how do you feel about that? Like, how do you do as far as casting? Does it just depend on the project that you're doing? It depends. And they definitely, not 100% of the time, but for animation, which is when that would typically come up. Yeah. They're casting either all kids or all adults. Okay. So it's very rare that they're going to do a mix because usually an adult voice And it's not necessarily the voice, Val, because you're right, you do have that kind of voice. Mm -hmm. It's the delivery. You have, because you're an adult, you have a different approach to any dialogue that a kid would. Kids kind of don't get stuff sometimes, so they say things in a very weird way, which is fantastic. (laughs) And we just don't do that as adults, which is why I try when I'm directing kids to never, ever, well, I don't do it with adults either, but don't give line reads. Because what they're going to give me is sometimes so insane that there's no way I could have thought to do that as a line read. Right. And it's better than what I could give them. Right. (laughs) Right. So, yes, you're right. They do still cast authentically when it comes to age. Usually, though, the whole show is kids or the whole show is adults doing kid voices. Okay. Yeah. So I got to find the ones that are adults doing kid voices then. (laughs) You know it, baby. (laughs) Perfect. I'll work on it. (laughs) Do you only book talents through their agents? Primarily, yes, because when we do casting here, we send out a breakdown that will go out to either specific agents or specific cities. We could do it across Canada. We could do it U.S. national. It could be North America. could be worldwide. Okay. So, as I said, it goes out through a breakdown service, which goes to all of the agents that are attached to that service. But there's another button we can push that says, and anyone else that isn't repped. So, if we're looking for something that is pretty specific, then we will open up the whole thing. And obviously further to that, I will run into people every once in a while in my life and say, oh my God, have you ever thought about doing voiceover? Because you haven't. (laughs) They think I'm crazy (laughs) because most people don't know what we do. But most of the time they're hesitant. They're not actors, so they're not good at reading, but they have an awesome voice. It's just that the voice isn't always the whole thing, as you know. Exactly. Do you think it's better for voice actors to have a lot of demos in different genres of voiceover, or do you think it's okay to just have a few if they're, like, very, very good? I feel like you should have a demo for every genre that you want to work in. And I'll just give you an example. I cast the game for Ubisoft up in Toronto, and I was in the boardroom, and we were all listening to all the auditions. And what they were doing is... They'd hear somebody and go, oh, that's, that guy's great. Let's pull up his IMDb, which I was like, oh, okay. I did not know that was a thing, but okay, let's do that. <laughs> so they sort of look at what, oh, yeah, he's worked on that show and that show. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm, yep. Got it. And then one of the guys in the room said, well, does he have a demo? And he did. And it was a commercial demo. 
And I was like, oh, no, 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 don't play that. And they did. And, of course, he didn't book. They went, oh, he's kind of not. I'm like, well, no kidding. He's talking about a $1.99 Big Mac or whatever. It's like, yeah. it's not going <laughs> to help you guys. But it dampened the whole feel for him, which okay. was unfortunate because it wasn't his fault at all. If he had had a gaming demo, he would have booked it. Hmm. So the genres are so different that's why I think it's it's really important. And it may not get you the gig initially. It could too, though, because oftentimes now we're casting just using demos. So yeah. no auditions, and you just get booked from your demo. But it also works as a backup, as in that situation where they love you based on your audition, and now they're going to dig to find a little more information. Right. And if you don't have something to support that exact type of read, then you're out of luck. So if you were giving advice about an animation demo in particular, since I know that's one of your specialty genres mm -hmm. that you cast a lot. Is there anything you could say is the most important thing to have on your animation demo that will set someone apart from everybody else who has an animation demo? You know what sure, I mean? Yeah, totally. Definitely having you. So uh, people are always afraid to just sort of stay in their lane and they want to do well, let's say it's you. People that have a voice type like yours want to then do sort of a voice like this and and put that on their demo. And I'm like, why, why would you do that? Yeah. I'm never going to book you for that. No. Like, I will get a person that has a low voice to do that. <laughs> You'll get Dave Finoy. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. And so range, absolutely. But crazy range, not necessary. Stay where you're comfortable. Experiment. Do different voices for sure. For me, it, they don't have to have a lot of production, but that, again, depends on where you're located and what style the casting people are looking for. Right. I don't necessarily like a lot of production on it. Mm -hmm. um, again, because I feel like then there's a lot of filler. There's a lot of, that, like a Dave Finoy, like, I'm talking like, I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> no. Why are you doing that? You're a 22-year-old female. Right. So having that sort of movement, but staying in your lane. So certainly doing a mom voice for you or then doing, you know, a four-year-old girl and then maybe doing a teen boy, but staying where you're comfortable because you're going to have to sustain that voice, whatever the voice is, throughout a whole series. Right. And so if you can't, uh, not good. Yeah, exactly. Which is why, right? Why would you do a, a crazy deep voice when, no. <laughs> Yeah, you can't. I was, you can't. Yeah. What was I trying to do? I was trying to do. Um, I was working with Ellie Ray, and we were we're working towards my animation demo, and I I wrote this monologue, and we're working on it, and it's great, and everything. And one of my villains that I was trying to kind of impersonate was Yago from Aladdin. <laughs> yes, and <laughs> it was not good. <laughs> it was just. So hard to get that scratchiness, and exactly. I almost lost my voice after that session because I was like, that was just a snippet of what we did. And I told her, I was like, yeah, I don't know if we can use that because <laughs> I don't think I can maintain it through more than like two minutes. No, and that's super, like, yeah. super smart. <clears throat> super smart. And doing as you have been, obviously, if you're working with Ellie, doing a lot of experimentation before you go to record your demo. Yeah. So figuring out what suits you, what you like, because it's got to bring joy or why are you doing it? And also figuring out characters that are yours specifically. So not even looking at a character like that, that where you're almost doing an impersonation. I would suggest at least having one 
even two, maybe three characters that are your very own. So it could be your uh, grade one teacher mixed with Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. So do you know what I mean? So yeah. no one else is going to know those references ex- that you've combined them. You don't have to tell anybody. Right. But experimenting in that way and coming up with your own shtick and your own characters. That also helps in auditions, having those in your back pocket ready to pull out. Because I've often found in animation auditions, when the client's there, they will say, ask them if they have any other ideas. I'm like, what? Why are you asking that now? They got here because of the audition they gave. And now you want to do something completely different? Yeah. Okay. And they're like, can you combine your Southern accent with your, um, you know, with your four-year-old kid and then like make it super hyper. And you're like, um, sure, Um, I can do that. There you go. (laughs) There you go. See, you can do that on the fly. Some people can't do that on the fly. So having access to those voices, to those three voices that no one else is going to do is a really good idea walking into an audition. Oh my God, I just got totally off topic because you asked me about demos and now we're on auditions. <laughs> no, that's great though. It's good. I mean, it's all good stuff. So yeah, no, that's great. Thanks. Thanks so much for that advice. I really appreciate it because like I told you before we started recording and, and everything is just that I am getting ready to do that animation demo that I've been mm-hmm. <laughs> prepping and planning and prepping and planning for like a ridiculous amount of years now. It has to be epic. So Val, a lot of people, and I get it. They want to get into the industry quickly because once they discover it and then they study a little bit and then, okay, now I'm going to make a demo. But that's a huge mistake because, as you know, you're going to grow exponentially over the, the, the next six months or year or whatever it is. So, and it's a lot of money to put out. And so if you're going to change and grow and get better and better and better, and then in six months later, you look at your demo like, oh, crap, yeah. this doesn't represent <laughs> me at all anymore. So I think it's great what you've decided to do. That's perfect. I still have some fine-tuning to do with Ellie. We're still working on it, but I think I have 22 solid characters in my pocket that I'm... Holy crap. ...ready to pull from. And like I said, I wrote this monologue. We're trying to think about using it, or at least parts of it, for the demo. And and I think what's cool about it is that it's very personalized. I wrote it myself, so it's my material, you know? Yep. And when we got done with our practice it was like she's like you just did 17 different characters <laughs> you didn't even know yeah I was like I didn't even know that I had those in my pocket and she's like 17 Val and that's not including like the extra little you know you know like crazy right. little <laughs> separating yeah. voices so yeah alrighty, I think I'm ready <laughs> oh yeah it. you're good because Val you don't even need that many it's yeah. awesome that you can do that many. But man, if you have five different voices on a demo, that's cool with me. As long as you're showing range. Yeah. I'm good. That's good. good to, yeah. Really good to know. Yeah. That's a wrap for this week, guys. Tune in next time for part two of this fun interview with Kim Hurden. Live with Quacky was mixed and mastered by everybody's favorite voiceover tech, Uncle Roy Ogleson of Antland Productions. Live with Quacky is sponsored in part by Mid-Atlantic Voiceover LLC and Antland Productions. Hey guys, the Mavo 2022 Get Inspired VoiceOver Conference is coming up on November 11th through 13th in Herndon, Virginia at the Westin Dulles Hotel. Our keynote speaker is Mark Grau this year, and I'm so excited. I'd love for you guys to be there. Go check out all the details and register today at www.minatlanticvo.com. I'd love to see you all there. Quack, quack.